You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I was just laughing. I thought it was funny. Another got excited. It's, it's good. You know, sometimes you get your little brother excited when you're playing basketball and stuff. You let him get the lead. And then you just come back and take it back. Yep. <laughs> also, how tough is Shalik Kelton? He's not. I, I, uh, they only put him on me a couple times. I really didn't have a problem with him at all. And did you realize that Simmons, Antoine Simmons, was that good of a player? Antoine Simmons, who's that? 34, I think, was his number. I mean, I wasn't really worried about him. <laughs> I mean, he's a heck of a player, but wasn't on my radar. There's no parallel universe, as they say in Marvel. There's none of that where Michigan doesn't beat the doors off this Michigan State team. I told you how it could happen, but I damn sure know it won't happen. But since Xavier Henderson wanted to open his mouth and say, I bet you know his name now, he had four tackles. You have four tackles. Congratulations. You still gave up 550 yards of total offense. What we said was your defense sucked. And here we are, 365 almost to the day, and your defense is actually even worse. So I would pipe down and see what you guys got going on Saturday. We're in green today because Michigan's going to take their time on their bye week, come back, and show Michigan State what it's all about. Oh, boy. It's going to be ugly. If I'm a Spartan fan right now, I am taking cover. Maybe you should take two weeks off. Come back to Sunday after that oh. game. Oh, yeah. Somebody take Rich's checkbook, oh, please. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. come. Uh, 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 uh. It's coming. He's got the it's coming, now, and it's not going to stop. It's coming, and it won't stop. Did that bother you before the game, putting a spear in your field? You know, I think, you know, so you might as well just come out and say what you're, what you're feeling at some point in time, because, you know, I can only be diplomatic for so long. Okay? The little brother stuff, all the disrespect, didn't have to go in that direction. We tried to hire handle ourselves with composure. It doesn't come from the coach. It comes from the program. And, uh, you know, throwing the stake down in our, in our backyard out here and coming out there like they're all that, you know, it got shoved up, up shoved it up. It got shoved the last, uh, the last minute and a half. And we were not, not going to pull off of that. So we're just going to line up and kick a field goal. That wasn't the MO. But if our guys could get it in, we are going to get it in. This game is an important game. So they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them it's not over. So they can print all that crap all they want all over their locker room. It's not over. It'll never be over here. It's just starting. Sir, what they talking about now, huh? What they talking about now? It sounded good. It sounded good before the game. Thanks, uh, Mike Hart. Uh, Coach D said it'll never be over. Still not over. Thanks, uh, Winovich. Thanks, um, Luan. 
Thanks, Braylon Edwards. I bet you know uh, Chuck Brantley's name now, don't you? This sounded good, but uh, I don't know what they're talking about now. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. And we are back. We took a, a little unannounced hiatus, I guess. <laughs> it was uh, poor communication on my part, mostly. But uh, we were thinking of what to do during the bye week. And then we basically decided, you know what? Like, it'd be really nice to enjoy a little extra free time. So we did that. Apologies. But we're back. It's Michigan. It's hate week. It's rivalry week. Whatever you want to call it. We're going to get you ready for this game. Um, both mentally, emotionally, um, educationally. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. We'll get to it. Um, Scott, it is Wednesday morning, afternoon. However you want to clarif- classify this time frame how are we today it's michigan week how could it be anything but stoked uh i'm getting ready flying to michigan in a couple days to get ready to go to the game with the doc who's actually a doctor now shout out tj um yeah i mean i'm psyched and it's, it's about that time of the week when you just throw everything out the window and accept that we're gonna win this football game um and and you just let the rest play out I told you we we had just finished recording the preview to Wisconsin and we finished and we were just kind of sitting and talking and I said if if we beat Wisconsin it does not matter what the result of the Michigan Penn State game is it does not matter what the outcome of the Michigan State Wisconsin game is other than just we win it doesn't matter how ugly it is doesn't matter how pretty it is whatever if we beat Wisconsin I am going to fully convince myself that we're going to beat Michigan and what two weeks later we're here we're beating Michigan that's just predictions are on Friday but we're beating Michigan sorry we already got there um we'll get to why but I just like, you know, what's funny is I I was thinking about this the other day, how when I grew up, I was born in 1994, for those who are unaware. And when I grew up in Southeast Michigan, I grew up in, for those unfamiliar, South Lyon, just outside of Ann Arbor, surrounded by Michigan people. And this is where like, If you're not from Michigan, you know, if you're from Chicago and you went to Michigan State, if you're from Arizona and you went to Michigan State for whatever reason, like you don't really get it because this hatred is built on a foundation of going to school that Friday before the Michigan Michigan State game being one of like six kids in the entire school wearing a Michigan State jersey everyone else being in maize and blue telling you how much your team sucks because they got this obnoxious attitude from their parents who were Walmart Wolverines after graduating from U of M Dearborn. And then you get to this place where in the early two thousands, Michigan state was right there and then came up short right there and then came up short. And it just built this foundation of, total and complete hatred towards U of M and all of the people that are associated with the program. And this week is for the Michiganders 
right? Like Michigan fans can say all they want about how Ohio State's their biggest rival, and that's probably true. But when you're not interacting with those people all the time, when you're growing up in Michigan, how often do you really see Ohio State people? You know what I mean? Like that game means a lot, but in the more big picture kind of grand scheme of things, not to the day-to-day life that you live. The day-to-day life that we lived as Michiganders was impacted every year by this game so much. And that's why it means so much to us. And is the outlook um, rosy and full of rainbows this year as we preview the football contest that we're going to be playing on Saturday? Not exactly, but it's so much more than that. And that's just kind of the disclaimer of like, you know, we'll get to the more kind of nuts and bolts football stuff, but it all comes down to that school down the road has a certain attitude that makes us hate them for good reason and always gives us an edge in this game. And until Michigan as a, as a society not just as a football team, as a football program, as a fan base, until the whole Michigan ecosystem just acknowledges Michigan State, that's just how this rivalry is going to be. We're going to be underdogs every year. We're going to have a chip on our shoulder every year. We're going to play more physical every year. We might be a little more chippy, whatever the case may be, but we always end up bringing more energy to this game. And a lot of the times that's what ends up making the difference, right? So we'll get into the football stuff, but that's just kind of where I'm starting from is like, I'm convinced we're going to win this game because it's the same formula every year. They go off spouting and 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 saying what a Rich Eisen's out there on the microphone and Braylon Edwards is saying what he needs to say. And, um, you know, we heard it last year with Xavier Henderson right after the game. Like these players hear that. These players see that. I'm sure the coaches are shoving it in their faces all week to get them psyched up for this game because we always bring that energy. So that's just kind of the starting point here. I am ready to go, if you can't tell. I I love and hate this game so much. Um, you know what's funny this year with that? I think, by and large, the inside the four walls, proverbial walls of Michigan's football program, they've actually done a really good job of not creating bulletin board material that they usually do. You know, I think some people tried to pipe up what Donovan Edwards said. He's basically like, yeah, we want to win and leave no doubt and show no mercy. But like, it's not really bulletin board material. Uh, Rich Eisen was great. Braylon Edwards is always great for that. Like he is just going to be a never ending loop of Woodward sports in our locker room. Um, But it doesn't really matter because we can just engineer it at this point. Like, I, people were feuding on Twitter. That's not that's not bulletin board material. Listen, just because you you don't think it is doesn't mean it's not. Like these players, they're nineteen year old kids. Like you tell them it's bulletin board material, and the emotion still bubbles up. So uh, we'll we'll play that card until uh, until it doesn't work for us. But you can tell in the Michigan program, they're finally like we have to acknowledge it because the last couple of years, especially last year, uh, twenty fifteen comes to mind as well when they had potential national championship caliber teams and they just wanted to play it like another game. And it last year, it didn't ruin their season. Obviously they made it to the playoff and everything, but it certainly stained it. Um, and they're really pissed off. And uh, 
that could be an advantage for them. It could be a disadvantage for them, depending on how that manifests in their heads, you know, once they get on the field. Um, but yeah, God, I love this game. And I love it. I love being the underdog in this game. Like say what you want about wanting to be the dominant team in this rivalry, wanting to move on from Michigan. Like, we're, I don't think anyone at Michigan state's interested in moving on from Michigan. Everyone at Michigan state wants to play Michigan every year, brutalize them and laugh. And it's just, it's a, it's such a fun week every year and two straight against with, with teams that everyone in, in Ann Arbor thought was worse than their team by a long shot. And, uh, God, this one, it feels like it would be somewhat of a Holy grail. And, and the Michigan state team is like, they've shown just enough to lead us to believe if the dominoes fall the right way, we have a chance, right? Like on paper, you live on the West coast. You look at this game. You're like, clearly Michigan wins moving on, not a game worth watching. But if you've lived around this rivalry, you know, this MSU team, like they're going to take it two steps above where they usually do. And if Michigan lets themselves slip one or two steps below where they usually play, there are, there are possible outcomes that lead to us winning this game, which is just so tantalizing, which again, like it's, it's a cultural thing that, and you, you mentioned, I, I do think that over recent years, they've started within the program, within the, the football facility to take this game more seriously than they had in the past, but their fans don't, or at, at least their fans or prominent media members, they, they pretend like they don't. And that just gives us everything that we need. It gives the funny thing about college football compared to the NFL is when, when it comes to the bulletin board material stuff. And when it comes to the, the situations on the opposite side where like, your fans are building you up as the the next big thing. You guys are the best. You guys are the greatest. The NFL, that doesn't really impact them because these guys have really nice houses and gated communities. And, you know, they, they don't really interact with the public very much. You know, they go to a nice steakhouse and and they go to the practice facility and they come home and that's it, right? These college kids whether they like it or not are right in the middle of their fan base surrounded by them every single day. They're going to class and the, the person next to them sees their, you know, U of M football team, uh, like team license stuff is that, Oh, you're on the football team, man, you guys are going to win the national championship this year. You know, Blake court, you're going to win the Heisman. You're the best running back in the car. These Sparty Sparty ain't got shit on you guys. You know, like, they're surrounded and whether whether the coaching staff wants to kind of block the noise or throw it in their face they don't really have a choice cuz these guys especially they had a bye week right one night they're going to go to beatups and they're going to be surrounded by michigan fans telling them how great they are and paying for their dinner because you know you guys are going to go win the the national championship like you you can't separate that and block out the noise, quote unquote, when you are that involved in it. And when it's that fan base that pumps you up every September, that says Sparty ain't shit, that, you know, that that these guys up there, that they're they're nothing to us. It just feeds the same machine every year. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And until they 
truly as a culture take that more seriously we're going to come in with that edge every year like you said and it's just it's beautiful i love coming into this game as the underdog i love coming in as the team with the chip on our shoulder like this is a football program that for i don't know how many like young listeners we have that are like in college right now that remembers this or doesn't remember this like this is a program that came into a game in 2014 losers of five of the last six meetings between these two teams coming off of a loss in which uh michigan state beat them 29 to 6 and held them to negative 48 rushing yards and they had they had the audacity to plant a stake on spartan stadium in spartan stadium before the game like this this level of just cocky ridiculousness is something that only that program can manifest and it's beautiful it's so beautiful i love it so much never change michigan never change please speaking of the of setting you. if we get into like game day i think priority number one for michigan state is to turn the big house into a, a haunted house it's halloween right close to halloween you come out and you punch him in the mouth and that's not that's easier said than done but come out and uh take control of this game you you mentioned this before we got on make everyone all 110,000 of them they go from rabid fans to nervous people with extremely high expectations staring you down you got a young quarterback you got some other youngsters uh they're all college kids none of them are particularly old Get it, get that in their heads. I mean, all the pressure in this game is on Michigan State or on Michigan, right? Nobody's expecting Michigan State to come into this game and win. Um, and the season's expectations are already water under the bridge for Michigan State, right? We're just looking for kind of cherry on top wins, and uh, we don't need this one. We want it because it's Michigan, but we don't need it. Our expect our our goals for the season are gone. Michigan's pushing for a playoff spot, pushing for a Big Ten championship, pushing for a national championship. All the expectations are on them. All 110,000 people minus me in the big house are going to be waiting and expecting Michigan to pulverize Michigan State. So if you come out end of the first quarter tie game, we're up three or worse for Michigan, that place is going to get nervous fast and those eyeballs are going to be felt by everyone wearing that winged helmet. I've, I've always said that dude, like that place, there's just this weird collection of nervous energy that feeds into the game in a way that doesn't favor them in like big spots. Right. And it's, it's, it's just so funny how it happens where I, even we were just talking, like I, I almost, wanted this game to be you know like i i almost prefer this game to be in ann arbor because of that factor because if we get up early at spartan stadium i think you know we get some momentum the crowd gets going okay but i almost prefer the momentum of the quiet hundred thousand people that there's something beautiful about that where again you mentioned a young quarterback who made game-changing mistakes in this game last year if he fumbles in the first quarter 
there's no way he's getting that confidence back, right? Because all of a sudden, everybody in that stadium goes, <gasps> and then you start getting these whispers of Cade, and you start getting whispers of, you know, maybe maybe he's not ready for this spot. And you can just feel that energy. It's palpable. It's It's fantastic. And so it is a huge, 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 if there is one key to this game for me, it's exactly what you just said. You have to get some momentum early. And it's not not even really necessarily like get out to an early lead or whatever. It's just you can't let them control the game in the first quarter. Because if you do that, this this thing could snowball. And that's where you, you could really run into some problems. But like you said, if if we're looking up at the scoreboard at the end of the first quarter and it's even 10 to seven Michigan, it's 14 to 10 Michigan state, whatever the case may be, all of a sudden our team believes their team starts questioning themselves, you know, Hey, I thought this team sucked. Why, you know, the whole fan base, you know, Hey, this was supposed to be our beat down game. This was supposed to be the one point favorites, right? This was supposed to be exercising our demons. This was supposed to be, Hey, we're getting that first win against Mel Tucker and we're going to run it up. You know, what's happening? Why, why isn't that happening in front of me? And, and that's, you have to neutralize them in the first quarter. Keep, keep yourself, whatever the case, put some points on the board, put up a touchdown, put up 10 points, whatever, and just kind of keep some momentum throughout that early period because you can't let this thing snowball they are the more talented team if they really catch momentum and the stadium is rocking and they bust off a couple big runs early you're going to have a really hard time coming back in this one i think because of how good their offensive line is how good those running backs are if you allow them to get up early you allow them to kind of keep that momentum you allow them to run the football it's going to be a long night but you get out to an early lead, you get an early turnover, you get a 60-yard touchdown on the first drive, whatever that is, then all of a sudden, hey, we got ourselves a ball game. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, if we look at how 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 would we get out to an early lead, right? Let's just build ourselves a map to a victory here, right? First and foremost, early lead. If, if Michigan gets up two scores early, it's game over. It's wildfire the stadium yeah. will get into it all the thoughts of well we didn't want to believe this is what it would be but it looks like this is what it's going to be will start to you know flit through these guys heads and it'll it'll get out of hand so you have to come out of the first quarter in a one possession game at worst losing by seven um so michigan i expect jim harbaugh to try to run the ball until he has to stop um not without exceptions but by and large if it looks like blake Corum and donovan edwards are going to get what they want on the ground they're just going to ride that until the game's over so first and foremost you got to figure out how to bottle that up and michigan i i expect is going to try to block out to the safeties especially whoever is playing free safety probably dylan tatum and test that early so First priority for Michigan State a obviously is win the line of scrimmage but i expect i do expect our front line to struggle in the run game. Let's be real. They have a top three offensive line in the country. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, I know Jacob Slade was back last week. We don't know if he certainly didn't look 100% last week. We don't know how close to 100% he'll be this week. Simeon Barrow flashes, but he's kind of inconsistent. Uh, the linebackers are the linebackers. So that third level could be the difference in this one between, oh, we gave up a touchdown drive, but at least we didn't give up any big plays to, well, Blake Corum ran 360-plus yard touchdowns today. So those safeties and getting Xavier Henderson back, obviously, yeah. is a huge advantage for us here, or at least it's a great tackler advantage. Uh, and he knows space. how to line guys up, right? You got yep. the freshman safety next to him and Dylan Tatum, if that's who plays. And you could see all last game. He would turn to him. He's like, go there. No, move up. No, you got this guy. Like, And it's not just that. It's the linebackers. It's the nickelback, even the outside corners. He's directing all of them. Yep. So that, that alignment against the run game is so key. So first and foremost, first quarter, you got to slow down the run. Force J.J. McCarthy to convert first downs with his arm. Yeah, no, and, and you make a good point there because I don't think you're going to totally shut down the run but you can't let them get those game-changing 60-yard touchdowns that they've been getting all year from those backs because they have two NFL backs and an NFL offensive line. Like You you give them a bit of daylight, they're able to slip a tackle. Now you've got a couple guys. Xavier Henderson is one great open field tackler. Angelo Gross is one. I know he's not the best in coverage. He is a fantastic open field tackler. You've got two guys in the secondary who excel at that, at turning a potential 60-yard touchdown into an eight-yard gain. You know, that that's huge. And you have Chuck Brantley, who's not afraid to stick his nose in there. You have Amir Speed, who's not afraid to stick his nose in there. Like, the defensive backs from that standpoint, I, it, they'll give you a chance, right? I, I don't think that they're going to give up a ton of big rushing plays because they took a terrible angle or they missed a tackle. Now the linebackers, different story, but they played better last week. We'll see. Um, Jacob Slade, if if he is 100%, that makes a huge difference, right? He he had the bye week. He came back, played against Wisconsin, played probably, I didn't check it, but probably upwards of 30 to 40 snaps. He played quite a bit, especially in the second half. And you get the bye week, if he's close to 100%, that's huge, 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 because he's a guy who can move the line of scrimmage along with Simeon Barrow. That kind of that gives you a fighting chance, right? And that's kind of all we're asking for in the run game. Just give us a fighting chance, force a couple, you know, negative plays where they you stuff them at the line of scrimmage, you you force them into a one-yard gain, and all of a sudden they're second nine. And now they have to throw the ball, like you mentioned, and that opens the door for J.J. McCarthy to make mistakes, for us to bait J.J. McCarthy into mistakes, for the pass rush to get home and force a fumble of, you know, like this kid, for as talented as he is, we all know he has made a lot of mistakes the last two years when he has been in there, most notably against Michigan State. Um Football players have very good memories, especially quarterbacks. He remembers those mistakes against Michigan State, I promise you. Um, you you force him into some difficult situations early, second and nine, third and six. Give yourself a fighting chance. That That's what it's all about on defense. We talked about it after the Wisconsin game. You, If this defense can just give us a chance, 
holding the 28, holding the 30. We're not asking for much here. 30 points and one turnover, you know, like just give ourselves a fighting chance. And Hey, if the offense goes out and scores 10 points, nothing we could do, but from the defensive side of the ball, try to prevent those huge rushing, you know, rushing gains, force them into situations where JJ McCarthy has to throw the ball and just give yourself a fighting chance, force a turnover, force two turnovers. Um, because if if you're getting gashed in the run game, like you said, it's 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 going to be a long night. So, returning to our uh, game plan here, we have slowed down the running game, and Michigan is forced to rely on the arm of JJ McCarthy. Kevin, um, certainly a higher potential than Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara threw for almost 400 yards against Michigan State last year, so I guess big shoes to fill for uh, JJ. How do you disrupt his head? I think I think the best case here for our defense is slow down the run and get in JJ's head. So how, if you're Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker, how are you game planning to get into JJ's head? I almost think it's a better matchup with JJ, even though I think it's a better quarterback because Cade was more content to take what was there. And we all know that if you're willing to do that against this Michigan State defense, you'll nickel and dime your way down the field and you'll score JJ is always looking for that big play, right? He's always trying to buy more time in the pocket to chuck something downfield. And he, he does it pretty well, but he also makes mistakes in doing that. And it's, I think as, as dumb as it may sound like force him out of the pocket, let him do what he thinks he wants to do. You know what I mean? Like kind of, play a, a system where you you allow JJ to kind of do some of that backyard stuff that he wants to do. And so if you let him do it, he's going to think, man, I'm going to make this awesome play. And then you try to bait him into an interception, right? You try to do something, but you don't let him just kind of comfortably sit in the pocket and pick your defense apart. Like I'm sure Jim Harbaugh has been preaching to him for two weeks to do. So we know this defensive is is gettable. If you sit in the pocket, you make your first and second read, one of those guys is probably going to be open enough to make the throw. But once you kind of get out of the pocket and your eyes are way downfield looking for that deep shot, maybe you hit it, but maybe you make a mistake there. So I, I think you try to just kind of force him out of the pocket. And if he makes plays and, and beats us down the field, then so be it. But you can't let him just sit there and carve you up like yeah. he did last year. If we know one thing about Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh's approach to offense, it's that he is going to want to get his tight ends involved. And what we saw last week, and I expect would be the same case this week, when our opponents showed a uh, two tight end personnel package, we're bringing a third linebacker on the field. We did it, at, unless it was a red zone or goal line situation, we did it every play against Wisconsin uh, when they had two tight ends out there. I think Michigan will show a lot of two tight end. I think we'll have three linebackers, which means our linebackers are going to have to cover well, which I mean, compared to the secondary, it might be a wash, but in a vacuum <laughs> is, is kind of a scary thought, right? So you're asking yeah. Cal Halliday, Jacoby Winman and um, Brule Brule likely to not only cover two tight ends, but also potentially cover Blake Corum. Although I expect 
probably be more of a safety's job in the passing game. So last week we saw Jacoby Winman play one game of pass coverage better than any game any MSU linebacker has played in pass coverage this season. I think you keep him there. I don't know why you wouldn't in a game like this. You need him. You have to. Yeah. In the defensive backfield. Um he would get totally wasted on the edge in this game. Yeah. Completely so wasted. That is a matchup to watch. How are we utilizing Winman? What assignments is he drawing against their offense? I expect he'll be covering their number one tight end as much as we can bother to get him there. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, is JJ going to sit back there and just cut us up? I mean, that's the first thing they try to do. They're, they're not going to bother throwing it to the boundaries if that tight end's sitting there in an open zone. Um, and the question here is, zone or man right especially with the way that they like to utilize those tight ends if you give them zone those guys are just going to find spots to sit and pick up seven eight yards all the way down the field i think you got to run man you live or die in it uh i'd love to see more cover two man because cover one and cover three were terrible so far this year but um i think you just put them in man and and you see what happens yeah i think from a coverage standpoint like we're we should and we probably will see some wrinkles that we haven't shown yet this year, right? You put all of this on tape for the first few weeks and then you get into the bye week where you're coming off of a game where you kind of adjusted things. You, Like you said, we you run a lot more kind of four, three looks and you can go into the bye week and look at and say, all right, we did all of this this season in a similar way to kind of the offense, but like we did all of this. What worked, what didn't work? what have we seen against some of these teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin that, that kind of want to run the football and play bully ball the same way Michigan does. And you, you kind of take all of that and then you add some wrinkles to it and say, all right, this four, three was working. Let's show something that, you know, they saw against Wisconsin, but then throw it off a little bit. Right. So that when JJ sees this pre-snap, he thinks that we're going to do this, but we're actually going to drop this linebacker here and where he thinks that soft zone is going to be for the tight end. Winman's going to be sitting right there for the pick. You know, like you just kind of add a couple of those little wrinkles where you showed this and you showed this and you showed this. So JJ knows, oh, I see this. This is what's coming. And then it's something totally opposite. And that's, again, you get him into those kind of panic situations where he thinks he's comfortable getting out of the pocket and making plays. This is what I've been doing my whole life. But it's, you know, you force some of those mistakes. And, um, yeah, I think you're going to see a couple wrinkles off of that 4-3 that we played against Wisconsin. Last note on the defense before you just got to kind of let the rest play out. You got to get J.J. McCarthy on the ground. Right. So if you're if you're if you're containing the running game, forcing some throwing downs, you're covering well enough to make at least make JJ make good throws. Right. I mean, we're not going to stop every throw. That's unrealistic, but make him play well. You don't want to get beat by bad quarterback play. Um, So play good enough coverage that he has to throw real nice balls consistently. And then you get him on the ground. Uh, He's a young quarterback. And the more you can get him on the ground, the more he second guesses his protection. And at that point, if you can get him on the ground early a couple of times, even if he has good um, pass protection, he may not think he does. That's the key. That's why you want to get guys on the ground. He doesn't have to throw a pick. You don't have to get a sack early. 
But you get him on the ground a couple times, and yeah, he starts to think the pocket collapses. Before. It happens with Peyton Thorne. All you have to do is look at our film, yeah. right? I hate to say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you get him on the ground, you make him second guess his pass protection, and then he starts to make mistakes, starts to clear out of the pocket early, plays fall apart, mistakes get made, fumbles, interceptions, whatever. Um, so that's really it uh, for, for our defense, and then you just kind of play the game script, right? Make your adjustments and uh, hope that a couple of big plays fall your way you know football coaches love to say that close games are usually determined by the outcome of six to 12 plays over the course of the game and you got to win the majority of those in this game for for the talent disparity michigan state probably needs three quarters of those to go their way you know if it goes 50 50 michigan's gonna win this game um but if you flip over to the other side of the ball kevin again we're building a map on how to how to win this game how to get up early and win this game so Priority number one for our offense. Well, before we get to priority number one, because I want to make sure we get this in, our friends at DraftKings, uh, 21 and a half points is the line on DraftKings right now. Michigan State money line, for those curious, is like plus 1,100 this morning. So 11 to 1. This was a very similar money line bet that I won in uh, 2020, where your boy cashed in with a a nice payout so when you have these kind of emotional games um you can add a little bit more if you want uh with DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the nfl right now new customers can make any five dollar nfl bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins everyone can also boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped up same game parlays and to make things even sweeter you can throw down on those stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long Long, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Scott, you were saying about the offense. Well, first of all, I think with the way that our offense is the way that our team has performed this year, and we did this against Wisconsin, you win the coin toss, take the ball, right? Yep. I mean, with our defense, I know coaches love to to kick it to open the game, right? It gives you that advantage at halftime to uh, see where the game script's at and adjust accordingly, get that extra possession mid-game. But with how our defense plays, the last thing we need is Michigan gets the ball first, goes down, scores easy. Um, and there's two steps to this too. You take the ball, number one, and you go against your instinct. You do not run inside zone with Jalen Berger on first and ten. <laughs> now you're just asking for too much, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a two-part of, equation. Speaking of running back, I'll throw this in there quickly. I Eli Collins needs to get at least fifty percent of the carries from our backfield today, or not today, this week. Uh, he's a senior. He's shown that he generally gets at least. He's at least as productive as Jalen Berger most of the time, and he falls forward more often. Less negative plays, even if Jalen Berger might have a few more, you know, 8 to 15-yard runs. Um, So I honestly might give Eli Collins a start. It's the last Michigan game. Uh, Actually, I think we determined he could come back for like a 17th year next year. But (laughs) anyway, uh, he's he's a veteran. From Detroit, gets the rivalry. Yeah. I might be the better player. Anyway, I mean, but... obviously, first priority is score a touchdown. 
a field goal would be fine, but then you still leave yourself up to giving up the touchdown and you're, you're down early and you almost wasted that, you know, kickoff that you took, but um, you got to score first. And it's tough because in a game like this in any game, but especially a game like this, you you, you really want to stay in front of the chains, right? We know the, the statistics around the team that rushes for the most yards in this game wins 98% of the time, whatever um, you and the best way to get ahead of the chains is to run on first down. But we've tried that so many times against good defenses this year, and it has failed. So We've tried it against bad defenses, and it failed. <laughs> and if we're going to win this game, Peyton Thorne's got to have a good game, right? I mean, we can try all we want to run the ball, to expect our offensive line to play their best game of the year, to expect our running backs to fall forward and make a guy miss. But at the end of the day, we're not going to win this game on the ground. We're going to win this game through the air. The, the ground right. is and, keeping them honest. And it can't be like, I remember last year, we we both came on after the game and we praised the Peyton Thorne performance because you know what? Hey, he made the plays when he needed to make them. But he was 19 for 30 with 196 yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. He doesn't have Kenneth Walker next to him. He's not going to get a 200-yard, five-touchdown performance from a run game. That stat line is not going to win the game this year. That needs to be 300-plus yards, three-plus touchdowns. Peyton Thorne has to ball out. That's just, let's just say it how it is. I mean, you're not going to get 200 yards and five touchdowns again. And I think Michigan is probably going to score minimum 28. So you need to put 30 on the board. This this would be like the mindset that I'm going into this game with as Jay Johnson or as Peyton Thorne. We need 30, right? So when it comes to fourth down in that gray area, in scoring position, you know your kicker is not very good, and you know you need 30, go for it. When it's first even... down and you're wondering, you know, let's just kind of try to try to establish the ground game here. No. You need thirty. Go score points. I hadn't even you know what I mean, like kicker, until you said that. Uh, <laughs> kicking, not just a kicker. I mean, we have two or three kicking kickers. Um, yeah, I mean, field goals killed Michigan last year. You know, you can say what you want about Kenneth Walker, about JJ McCarthy's fumble, about whatever other factors, the refs, whatever. Michigan kicked four or five field goals last year. I have four, four field goals last year. They convert one of those and it's at least a tie one of those into a touchdown and it's at least a tie game at the end of the game. And I know game script, whatever, it doesn't work that way, butterfly effect, etc. But they left 16 points on scoring drives on the board last year. And some of them were not far from the end zone. So if you're Michigan State, you cannot afford to fall into that position. Um, and that's what those fourth downs, like you mentioned, those conversion downs, those start to create those six to 12 plays in the game that determine if you win or lose. Right. So then, then it just comes down to terrifying execution. I mean, last year we were fourth and one at like the 30 and we just bombed a, a fade to Jaden Reed and converted like that. There was some serious magic in the game last year and we're going to have to, that's what you have to do again, but you got to rely on your best players and our best player is that guy, Jaden Reed. So yep. I think first priority, if we're going back to my question, get Peyton Thorne comfortable get him seeing the ball get into his receiver's hands let him make something happen after the catch if it's there but you know what 
if our first drive, we get two first downs, he has like 20 yards passing on th- four for five, and we end up punting and flipping the field, that's not a total loss. You know, I mean, it, it would stink. I want those points. But first priority, you got to get Peyton Thorne, whether he scored or not, coming back to the bench feeling like, all right, you know, there's space out there. There's time out there. I can make some plays in this game. Right, because and this is a similar matchup to Wisconsin where we went into the game and told you, like, this front seven is nasty. The defensive backs are gettable. And Peyton Thorne went out last week 21 for 28, 265, two touchdowns, no picks. Best game of the season by far for him. And you could argue most of that Washington game, he was pretty good. But this is a, a spot where, again, we you're probably not going to be running the ball super effectively, obviously not as effectively as you did last year. But this Michigan defensive backfield is not filled with future NFL players in the same way that I think their front seven might be. So you're going to have some opportunities. Look, Jaden Reed is a better wide receiver than any of their corners are corners. Jaden Reed is a better wide receiver than any of their safeties are as safeties. Like Jaden Reed is the best player arguably on the field when we are when we have the ball. And the only guys who would really compare with him are defensive linemen and aren't able to neutralize that. So use that matchup. You have very few matchups in this game. We this I sound like a broken record because we've been saying this for most of the second half of the season. Like you have very few matchups where you are superior to your opponent. Jaden Reed versus their corner back one and Keon Coleman versus their second corner. That is a matchup that you have the talent advantage. And it might be the only matchup in this game that you have the talent advantage. Use it. You have to use it. You That's have how to we give won. them shots. Two weeks ago against Wisconsin, it took until the middle of the third quarter for Jay Johnson to uh, realize what he was seeing. But how many games have we won? I mean, we talk about these plays Jaden Reed has made for the past two years, Moss and dudes in the end zone to win games. Hello. He does it <laughs> all the time. Every other game he's we every win. time you give him the opportunity to, right. he does it. <laughs> and Peyton Thorne's more than comfortable to throw that ball to him. So use it early. That's yes. what drove me nuts last week. Like we 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 tinkered around and thankfully we played a good enough game to stay in it. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, I guess I guess yeah, maybe we should use our advantage now. And turn that on, and all of a sudden our offense can't be stopped um, on both sides. You know, Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, like you said. Trey Mosley, not going to have a very good game. Mike Sainer still is doing a really incredible job transitioning from offense to defense. He's one of the best slot corners in the conference, which is kind of miraculous. It's his first year playing defense at the college level. So Trey Mosley, probably a decoy for this one, if we're being honest, just given the production we've seen out of him earlier in the season. But those two outside wide receivers, man – you get them involved early. Like you get, I'll give you one inside zone on first down. And I don't care if it goes <laughs> for 30 or negative 30. The next play is a deep ball down the sideline to one of the wide receivers. Yeah. You, I mean, your path to victory is probably, it, it's a totally different defense with a different coordinator and different players. And we have to like, the, I get it. Like I'm not making this one-to-one comparison, but your path to victory looks a lot like it did in 2020 where you just kind of boil the whole complicated game of football down to, 
I'm just going to chuck it to that guy and we're going to throw it really far down the field. And if we make the play, we make the play. If we don't, we move on to the next down. And what do we do in the next down? We chuck it down the field again to that guy and just kind of hope for the best. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not a carbon copy. It's not a perfect analogy. I know, but sometimes we overcomplicate things that don't need to be overcomplicated. Like you, you might get a couple instances in the game where you get single high coverage and Peyton Thorne has enough time pre-snap to recognize that. Jay Johnson over this two weeks of the bye has to realize what he has in those two outside receivers and what he has in an experienced quarterback who has good instincts and who knows the playbook like the back of his hand. He has to give Peyton Thorne that ability to say, look, Peyton, when you see single high, I am giving you full responsibility over this. Uh, If you see single high, you can take the shot. You have this hand signal or whatever it is to tell those two guys on the outside, go deep, make the read, make the throw. And if you don't like it, again, trust your instincts. You don't have to do it. But Jay Johnson has to give Peyton Thorne that option. Say, whenever you see this coverage, I'm leaving it in your hands. If you want to take the shot, take the shot. We trust you. And this is, uh, it opens up the possibility for moving the ball with penalties too, which is kind of a lame thing to chat about, like in terms of game planning. Tom Brady's been doing it for two decades. If you're running inside zone, you're not going to get a 15 yard pass interference call. You're not, best case is a face mask or something, but you're probably not going to draw any defensive penalties. You throw the ball deep 10 times in a game, you'll probably get three 15-yard penalties. Against Wisconsin, if you look back at that touchdown drive that really ignited things in the second half, we had two or three pass interference calls that helped that drive keep moving forward. You could argue they would have been catches without the pass interference, but nonetheless, you don't get those calls if you don't put those uh, defenders in conflict and force them to either try to make an incredible play on the ball or get grabby and get called for a penalty. So it just opens up so much and you connect on a couple of those. Then all of a sudden they're playing two high safeties. You got an extra guy in the box. The run game opens up a little bit. Things can start to fall into place. Right. You make a good point there because I mean, these guys watch film. These defensive backs have watched Jaden Reed moss these dudes in the corner of the end zone a hundred times and saying, I'm not going to let that happen to me. And so you get some of those 50-50 balls where a corner for a split second thinks of that that image of him mossing dudes flashes across his brain and he's like, nope, and just grabs his arm. And just like, that's not happening to me. I am not giving him that opportunity. And then all of a sudden, like you said, 15 yards, free first down, and now all of a sudden you're in Michigan territory. You didn't even really do anything. You're just kind of, you were gifted great field position basically you have to the the old adage of coaching is like the well when you throw the ball there are three things that can happen and two of them are bad right but it's like well not really because you're not accounting for there could be a defensive pass interference there could you know like it's just a there are four things that could happen and two of them are really good (laughs) you can you can either have a big explosive play down the field or you can get a free 15 yards now the other two not so good but you got to just take those chances you got to trust your guys this matchup more than any this season because 
look, Ohio State, like we we did we walked into that stadium without a chance without a chance to win. Like let's just kind of say like it is. It's Michigan. We always have a chance to win this game. And our best chance is giving our playmakers the opportunities to make plays. Jaden Reed, green light on punt return. Like if if that guy is a little too close for comfort, but you trust yourself, return it. Don't don't call that fair catch. You know, like just give your guys full authority to trust their instincts, play loose, make plays. That that's how you win this football game on on offense, on defense, on special teams. Play loose, make plays, and and the coaches give them that autonomy, give them that authority. You know what we haven't seen yet. You mentioned punt return, so now I'm thinking special teams. We haven't seen a Bryce Berenger fake punt this year. Oh, is that? You no, know it's in the playbook. Yeah, you know there's fakes in that playbook. You know we haven't ripped one out yet. So if it's like, you know, we're down down a score in a punt situation, and the game feels like it's at risk of getting out of hand, maybe we got a first down, so we're not like really backed up to our own end zone. I think this is the game, right? I mean, this is this is the game you empty the playbook. I don't care if we if we can win this game, we can lose the rest of the season, miss a bowl game. I don't care. That's you know, that's success. So you you just hope that out. he doesn't pull the the Zoltan Mesco. Well, yeah, there's uh, take things into his own hands. But uh, you know he's got a great leg. They're gonna be trying to set up something for returns right because if you can kick the ball the further you kick the ball the better chance a good returner has to make something happen so they're going to be trying to set up good return coverage pulling guys off the line turning their backs running downfield they're not going to be going for blocks so yeah i'm calling it now you'll see a fake i like it saturday i like it i hadn't thought of that possibility i love it because i think the fake field goal might be too obvious because again, both both staffs, all the players know they've seen the tape. You know the special teams coaches have watched the tape. They know our kicking game kind of sucks. So when we line up for a field goal on the thirty-five yard line, their coaches are going to be like, "Uh, guys, let's keep your keys." I, I don't know if they're actually kicking this one, right? But Bryce Berenger goes out to punt, and he's like, "All right, they're they're going to try to pin us deep." That's the only thing they're really thinking about is this this punter is a weapon. We got to make sure that our return game is on it so that we don't get pinned back deep. They're not thinking about the Bryce Barringer bomb. They're not they're not thinking about him just lobbing it over the top to Tyler Hunt. It's uh I, I love that. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of that. Maybe Tyler Hunt will be the up back and he'll and he'll pass it or he could even run it. Well, I don't like that as much, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I like him passing it for. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think you're going to see some stuff. You know, Jay Johnson used a lot of trickery last year. Not that Jay Johnson is is the punt play caller, but we as a team saw a lot of trickery last year, and we haven't seen so much this year. So I think you know you know it's there. You know they like it, um, but you got to pick your spots. And this is the game to uh, to take your chances. Yeah, I don't like the fake field goal. I think if it's fourth down and you're trying to go for it in that situation, your best chance to convert is just leave your offense right. out there, right? Throw it deep to Jaden Reed. Like, it's been proven. But, uh, yeah, you get fourth and five at, like, the 40-yard, our own 40-yard line. Watch out. I love it. Any onside kick trickery, you know, mid-second quarter, you throw them a surprise onside kick. You, you empty the bag. That, that's that's what this game comes down to. Um, I, I don't know, like, we could... I love the way that Mel Tucker has embraced 
this rivalry as somebody who, you know, he, he was a grad assistant at Michigan state under Nick Saban. We all know that, but he's, you know, he's from Ohio played his ball at Wisconsin. He's a Midwest guy. He gets it. He's not from the state of Michigan, but he has embraced this rivalry. We heard Jacoby Winman make comments and like they had like, I'm just imagining the Mel Tucker PowerPoint presentation for like an hour and a half about how much we hate these effing guys. And in a team full of transfers and kids from down South and there's not a lot of like down home, you know, from the state of Michigan grew up a Michigan state fan. Like there aren't a lot of those kids on the roster. And so I, I love the way that Mel Tucker has embraced this rivalry and he understands it. He understands the antics of their fans, of their coaches, of their players, of their administration, of, of everything from top to top down of that culture. And, um, and, and I love the way that Mark D'Antonio has stayed relevant. You know, he, he probably came by practice one day this week to give a little speech. I, I guarantee it. I love the way Mel Tucker has embraced former players coming back. I guarantee you they had a speaker a day for the last two weeks, former players coming by to tell them about the time that Michigan beat him and he'll never forget it. Or the time that they beat Michigan, you know, like this is the kind of stuff that gives us the advantage in this game. And and this is the stuff that, that really gets me going. And I just I, I hope that we utilize every every ounce that we can to get any sort of advantage. You know, we we're gonna come out and play physical. We know that. Xavier Henderson said something to the effect of we're gonna let our pads talk. We know we're gonna be physical. You know we're gonna pull out some some trick plays. You know we're gonna do all of that. Just comes down to executing it. You know, like you said, it's it's going to come down to six, eight, ten plays. You probably have to make four to six to eight of those plays. But if you can execute those, hey, we, we've seen much crazier results in college football. As much as Michigan looks like the bully on the block right now with this great running game, number four in the country, how many times have we gone into this game where Michigan is number five, number 10, number whatever? doesn't matter. You know, the whole throw your rec- throw the records out. Like, it's a, it's a bad cliche, but that stuff doesn't matter in this game. It doesn't matter how good of a team you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It matters who executes and who wants it more. It, it's, it is really a game that boils down to that. And it's all the football cliches that your coaches told you in high school that all comes into play in this game. I can't wait. I think that's a good place to leave it, Kevin. I mean, before we do, uh, the last thing actually, because you as the standing room Spartans correspondent are heading to the big house. You you mentioned it, but I want, I want to get a little more detail here. So, so what's the plan? What's the setup? Where are the seats? Are you, are you surrounded by Michigan people? What, what's the deal here? So we, uh, first of all, we're going to tailgate at Ann Arbor, uh, pioneer. So the high school right across from the stadium, going to be surrounded by Wolverines, but we're going to have, like I said, the doc, his wife, Emily, uh, 
my wife, her parents, they're throwing a little tailgate for us. They're Michigan fans, so throw a bone. Shout out a couple of Michigan fans. Actually, I got <laughs> I have two sets of Michigan fans to shout out. That's one. They're going to set up a tailgate they're for nice us. They're nice people. Have a I think time. they'll they're, be Dave and Tracy, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. Um, so we'll just have our little six there. Um, Aubrey and I are going into the game. Uh, the second thank you is to Aubrey's uncle, who has season tickets. He lives out in Arizona, so he usually doesn't make it to most of the games. He usually sells a lot of his tickets. And this year, he very graciously uh, gave us his two tickets to this game. So obviously, we're very grateful for that. We wouldn't be going to this game without that. Um his tickets are it's like the northeast end zone i don't know like the geography of of michigan stadium but it's one of the corners 11th row so close to the action you don't want to be up in the stratosphere at the top of that bowl um so yeah uh the uh the stage is set we're gonna get there a lot around the time it's a night game so uh lots open at like noon it's a long day, long day. It's a Harvard. long day, uh, <laughs> just a long day. And, uh, you know, it's a primetime ESPN production. So I'm sure the game will go till midnight at seven 30 kick. So, you know, they're going to smash in a commercial break every, uh, 30 seconds and it'll be a, a long and arduous process. But, uh, you know, if we can pull a rabbit out of a hat here, I'm sure it'll go quickly and uh, we'll have a good time. So yeah, well, it's I'm super stoked about it. And it's never the main focus in a, in a weekend like this, but the last I checked, knock on wood for you, it was like 62 and sunny. So yeah, it was the original nice forecast, day. like when it came into range a week or so ago, was looking like 47 and rain or something. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be awful. But yeah, <laughs> it's changed 62 and sunny. So during the day tailgating, it's going to be great. I'm sure it'll cool off a bit by the time uh, kickoff comes around. But uh, so yeah. what will the excuse be this year? Last year it was the refs because, you know, of course Peyton Thorne's knee wasn't down and we had the rainstorm that apparently it was only raining for one team on the field. Uh, we had, you know, the, a, a the botched punt. It was a fluke. We had, I mean, it, you can run down the list, but what will the excuse be this year? I, I'm feeling a nice, a, another back-to-back officiating you know, their their forecasts shouldn't shouldn't be a weather issue. I don't think they'll be able to complain about the rain. Um, I've enjoyed nice... the uh, the Mel Tucker is coaching his team to injure our players narrative. Ooh, that's been I like circulating. That so you yeah. know, you see one injury, like their their backup third string tight end gets hurt, and 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 all of a sudden it's well, you know, those dirty Spartans. They they were going for the knees. Yeah, I like that. Yeah trying to get people hurt. Okay. I, I think that's an angle we can work with that. That might be a new one for them too. So we got to keep them on their toes. We got to ground at least make sure that they're staying creative. So I cannot wait at the same time. I dread this kickoff. Like I do every single year, you know, it's a game that has true, true, true full year bragging rights. There are games where if you lose, you move on to the next week. You know, you lose to Washington and, ah, that sucks. And then the next game happens and, you know, you kind of forget about it. This is a game you don't forget about one way or the other, uh, especially for you since you'll be there. I can't wait. I dread it. I'm very excited either way. Um, Let's go get this win. Yeah, when I get excited about a football game, I start to shake. 
and about uh, 15 minutes into recording this, it hadn't happened to me <laughs> yet this last two weeks, but about 15 minutes, I, I started talking about this game, and I'm sitting here like my voice is getting shaky. I got to mute my microphone because the you know the mic's getting shaky. Like, whew, that's when I know it's not just me uh, trying to hype myself up for any podcast. This is real. This is this is what we live in all year. You know, if you spend time on Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever in the state of Michigan, you know. You're going to hear about the results of this game for another 360 plus days. Speaking of the 2023 schedule got released while we were recording and we're not going to talk about it until (laughs) next week. So don't ask on that note. uh, I hope everybody enjoys the weekend. If you don't listen to, if you don't catch our picks on Friday, uh, you already know where I'm going with it. So um, man, I can't wait. I'm very excited until Friday. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.